Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsythe. Sure, it's good to have you in The Advertising Show. Ray Shillins, Brad Forsythe here, being brought to you by... Advertising Age Magazine. Visit online at edh.com. And by Walter Carl Interactive at waltercarl.com with a K. Uh, the Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production. We have a very special guest and author of the Adweek Copywriting Handbook. His name is Joe Sugarman. Joe's been around a while. A lot of different things. A former direct marketing man of the year. Adweek Magazine recently called him the Aristotle for the advertising world. Which that is why a, he wears that robe. Yeah, exactly. It's an yeah. uh, interesting thing. And uh, also, uh, uh, if you've heard, ever heard of Blue Blocker sunglasses, well, I'm sure he has a story to go to to tell about that as well. So, yeah. uh, and uh, we're actually talking to Joe this weekend from Maui, the beautiful little island out there in the middle, right between the United States and Australia. Okay. Well, now they, he would say you need to check your map. Maui is part of Hawaii, and it's one of the United States. It's a pretty little island out there in the middle That's of right. between, okay, California and uh, Japan. That too. <laughs> anyway, Ray, I, did I? It, go, go ahead. Well, I was just going to ask you, you. You, it looks like you have a pair of those bulky underwear, and when you bent over just before we went on the air, I thought I saw a NASA logo on the back of those bulky underwear, and I was going to ask you. Well, we're doing a campaign for that. Some kind of and marathon, telethon going exactly. on? Well, or yeah, exactly. And what that has done, there's a good example, Brad, of turning a negative into a positive, okay? Right. What they're doing is marketing the NASA diapers now for uh, for folks who do travel yeah. because it really isn't safe to stop at the rest stop. So consequently, it's good to wear diapers. Well. And, uh, you know, it, it, the funniest part about that, and there's really nothing funny about it, but if there could right. be anything funny about that, is how in the heck did she make it from Houston to Florida on one tank of gas? That and one pair of up. pants. <laughs> well, I don't care about the pants. That's fine. But yeah. how did she make it without stopping for gas? That's a good question. So you ever find a self-service station or a full-serve station? I don't know of any she, that exist out there. Well, and was she concerned that they you know, wouldn't offer a key to the bathroom? I mean, what's going on there? <laughs> anyway. You know, it used to be that you would say, uh, man, he went postal. Now it's she went NASA. She went, uh, let's say, astronaut or whatever. Yeah. Uh, this is uh, kind of cool. I, and I have not a problem with this whatsoever. This is Paco Underhill. Didn't we have Paco Underhill oh, yes. on the show? Of course okay, we did. New York Times. Yeah. Uh, last year, the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey got an offer from the Martin Agency in Richmond uh, to put an image of Geico's cute mascot, the uh, the gecko, on the George Washington Bridge. <laughs> okay. Nobody asked George how he felt about the temporary tattoo and community outcry quashed the idea. And, mm. and Paco says, and I think I agree, that's a shame. The authority needs the money. Why not let the insurance company pony up for this thing? Who cares if there's a silly gecko on the, on the bridge? After all, if the naming of a football stadium in the civic centers where corporate sponsors is fair game, what the heck's wrong with branding a bridge? Right. So the Brooklyn Bridge is not for sale, but it should be. And somebody ought to think about uh Well, and then they, they could have tied in, Ray, if yeah. you did the Geico uh, you know, logo there. You could have tied in and had all of your uh, people that are in the booth uh, dressed up as cavemen and women. 
That'd be a really, you that know, would be really cool. tie-in, strong, strong tie-in, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. But, of course, yeah. they're not going to let that happen. That's like no. uh, here in our home market of Houston. They stopped uh, bus advertising. It's like, hello, that's yeah. a real good idea, and it doesn't look tacky, and it's kind of cool. Why don't you go ahead and do that? I will never, never, never understand why Metro does not allow something like that here. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, it doesn't matter to those that aren't riding the bus. They're not riding the bus because they don't want to be riding the bus, not because there's ads on there. Well, that's but, another whole story about buses, okay? Yeah. We'll go there later. What, what do you mean? Real quickly, I, I, you know, you, we were talking about the, the crazy lady from NASA, yeah. and she's got to be extremely happy about, you know, the demise of Anna Nicole because it moved her and a bunch of other people including Scooter, Scooter Libby's uh, trial and the uh, uh, 08 uh, presidential election along with the Super Bowl and other uh, news items off of the headlines. According to the Project for Excellence in Journalism's News Coverage Index, the PEJ found that uh, while Iraq coverage took the two top spots, uh, unfor- the untimely uh, Smith's death was the third most covered story in the general press, mm. which, of course, includes network TV, cable radio, print, and online sources. So, you know, it's a sad situation with uh, Anna Nicole, and it's really her, her whole life and that whole thing has turned into a circus. So sad. Well, her life was a circus. Uh, so some say, what a befitting end, sadly. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that's very strange. And who knows? That will probably never get solved. And there are literally, what, billions of dollars in the... Uh, well, the, the original thing, where the guy was supposed to get it, the the, the Howard guy, uh, mm-hmm. the, the actual son, was supposed to... Well, he's dead, and now she's dead. So, mm-hmm. you know, somebody's going to somebody's gonna benefit from this. <laughs> the child that they don't know who the father is yet. Right. Yeah. I could not believe that they, and I, I feel like we're talking uh, trash TV now, but I cannot believe that <laughs> yeah. Zsa Gabor's husband said, well, well I think I'm the father. Yeah, yeah. right. So I was just saying, I think he's the father. Yeah. I was trying to get into to Larry King to nominate you as the number six, but they, I just kept getting a busy. So Really? Yeah. Well, don't, that's too bad. Well, you you spent some time down in the Bahamas in Florida, so I figured you were a good uh, candidate. <laughs> One weekend. <laughs> that's all it takes, I guess, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, here's Patrick Meyer on the Advertising Show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about experiential marketing. I'm going to talk about taking something that we'll call X and pump it into your marketing plan to turbocharge everything you do. The goal is to get the consumer involved in your brand in an experiential way that intrigues them, surprises them, delights them, makes them talk about you. Let's take each of the marketing components and I'll show you how to add an experiential edge. Traditional network TV should never, ever be about a one-way dialogue. need to build in things like video on demand, SMS, brand involvement, getting information back, how do you get the consumer watching a Super Bowl TV spot to come into the brand at a deeper level? In this age where you can customize and create limited editions and surprise and delight and have different shapes and forms, the consumer should constantly have waves of news value come in their way. Online, the consumer doesn't want a web brochure for your brand. They're looking for great things that touch them and involve them and let them be themselves. So you need to create an experiential website and other digital components that they can get involved in. The consumer will buy. So touch them and intrigue them. Passion points, sports, entertainment, fashion, but do it in an experiential way. Let me see what's going on inside a NASCAR race and watch my favorite driver from the inside of his car on my laptop or my cell phone. That's experiential. 
So my message is totally rethink your marketing plan. Bring experiential components in. Do less better, but do it in a way that touches them and involves them. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember, the marketing revolution is now. And uh, coming up next here on the advertising show, Joe Sugarman out of uh, we're, we're, um, uh, out of Maui this weekend mm-hmm. here. What a great place to be out of, right? Uh, it's uh, he's author of the uh, Ad Week uh, copywriting handbook here on the advertising show. That'll be fun to talk with Joe. We've got him for three segments and. Uh, It'll be a, a good thing. You know, he's written more books, too, as well. Advertising yeah. Secrets of the Written Word, Marketing Secrets of a Mail Order Maverick, Television Secrets for Marketing Success and Triggers. And uh, also, he's had, uh, the, the bio says he's had his share of failures and opportunities. He's been quoted as saying, every problem has hidden in it an opportunity so powerful that it literally dwarfs the problem. The greatest successes, stories were created by people who recognized a problem and turned it into an opportunity. Well, Talk about it's... half full, huh? Stay with, with us secrets. here on the advertising show. Yes. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Looking for your customer's email address? Rob Fitzgerald, who runs Walter Carl Interactive, says it's much easier and more profitable to reactivate an old or lost customer than to acquire a new one. An email append strategy and an email change of address program are the most successful and cost-effective ways to bring your offline customer communications online. How successful is email append? How about a 500% ROI? Bottom line, the lifetime value of customers who receive regular marketing emails is 3 to 10 times higher than those who don't. For more on building an online customer retention program and finding those inactive customers with email append, go to appendservices.com. That's appendservices.com. Walter Carl Interactive, with over 8 million quality B2B and over 130 million consumer email addresses. Interactive marketing, multi-channel strategies, e-marketing databases, online customer acquisition solutions. Walter Carl Interactive. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Here are some most happy fellas, the four lads for Ford. Standing on the corner, watching all the Fords go by. We're back on The Advertising Show, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and our special guest is uh, author of the Adweek Copywriting Handbook, uh, Joe Silverman has done an awful lot of things in his life, uh, and we can't uh, fault Joe for being uh, somebody who doesn't have an initiative here. My goodness, uh, you were born in Chicago. You're now in Maui, uh, University of Miami. You were in Army Intelligence. Isn't that an oxymoron? I'm sorry. Yes. I'll say that. Oh. Uh, <laughs> we, and uh, he's written many, many books. And, uh, Joe, it is great to have you here on the Advertising Show. Thanks for joining us. Well, it's a pleasure to be there, and my name is Joe Sugarman, not Joe Silverman, but a lot of people make that same Oh, that's funny. That's funny that I said that. My apologies. No, no problem. Okay. I'm used to it. Okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think he just gave you a promotion uh, into the world of uh, broadcasting with the Silverman uh, mentioned there. But, Joe, yeah, we're both uh, so pleased to have you on the show. And you, you, one, in your bio here, it mentions, of course, blue blockers. And i got to believe that everyone, everyone over the age of, what, 35 has to know exactly. blue blockers. Now, you were the author of all of the direct mailings and the... TV uh, commercials, etc. Was that your company, or you just wrote on behalf of Blue Blocker? How did that work? No, that was my company. I actually, I had another company uh, called JSNA, and that was a direct marketing company, a mail order company. And I 
discovered this this pair of sunglasses and i said wow tested it it was a huge success in fact so big that i said well now this is my opportunity to establish a brand and i took that and and just about that same time um well so what i did was i ran a major uh major print campaign and in about eight months i sold a hundred thousand pair and i thought that was really terrific i spent about a million dollars in advertising to do that but it took me about eight months and then around that time they announced that infomercials were being allowed in other words half hour commercials and i said well let me try to do that And everybody thought i was crazy because what could you do in a half hour well i mean why do you need a half hour to sell a pair of sunglasses and people usually buy sunglasses at a store or at their drugstore or someplace where they can try them on so i did that i uh, created the infomercial as a half hour show and within a month instead of taking eight months to sell a hundred thousand pair it only took me a month and then it built from there on and uh, from then on and i uh, did infomercials for about six years i did uh, about four of them uh, for blue blocker i did others but uh, the four blue blockers i did about four and i produced them uh, actually was the person that interviewed people and uh, by the time we reached our sixth year, we were shipping 300,000 pair a month. And what, what year was this, uh, Joe? Uh, that, uh, well, it started... When you in, launched it. It's, it launched it in 86 in print, and in the fall of 86 was when we first went on TV. Hmm. And, um, and then we just continued on for six years uh, until we decided to go retail. But and, you know, the, the infomercial uh, concept has grown and evolved, and I understand your attitude today is that it's not uh, the great marketing opportunity it once was. Talk a little bit about that, Joe. Well, yeah, I think uh, today, uh, I think it's still a great marketing opportunity, but I think there's a lot of competition now. You've got the yeah. Internet, which has become huge, uh, and since I've been, since I was selling on, on infomercials, I've also noticed that the rates are not uh, as favorable. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that you make your money on an infomercial not by the profit you make in the product, although that's important. You make it from how good you buy media because there are situations where uh, if you are able to buy a TV spot uh, for half the price, let's say instead of spending uh, $60,000 for a half-hour show, you spend 30000 well, there's a $30,000 benefit that you have achieved right off the bat without selling a single piece. Really? So, um, uh, so anyway, that's, uh, that was the story. And uh, we used an unusual format. Uh, really, infomercials are entertainment. And uh, you either follow a format like Larry King Live or you follow like an Oprah show. Uh, what I did is I created a candid camera show, and I entertained people by just walking up to them, handing them a pair of sunglasses, and getting their reaction. Mm -hmm. And some of these reactions were pretty funny. And very memorable, I must add. And you, you bring up a good point. You know, most products, uh, manufacturing, distribution costs, and uh, yours have had built-in uh, media costs, which are part of your overhead and uh, all part of your business model. But i, I got to tell you, I think, you, you know, wherever you are, you could say, uh, I'm the guy that started Blue Blocker, and you're not going to get that glazed-over look. People know right. they know about that, and they remember those those spots as corny as they were. I say that respectfully because look at your, your success. But they really did bring the consumer into understanding through TV that, wow, th if that reaction is real as I see it on uh, before me, then I'm going to get that same reaction, and they pick up the phone and they call. Let's talk a little bit about your book, uh, Adweek's Copywriting Handbook. W what was your principal motivation for writing this book, Joe? 
Well, uh, John Wiley and Sons called me, and uh, they're the publishing firm in New York, and they said that they were looking for the top expert in copywriting to do a book for them. And I had already done a couple books that, uh, well, one was uh, The Advertising Secrets of the Written Word, and the other one was Triggers, uh, Psychological Triggers. And I thought to myself, well, this would uh, give me a really good opportunity to uh, spread the word. The reason I wrote all these books and revealed what, what I call my secrets, and I put that in quote, quotes, um, was to really help a lot of people, to really show them the way to improve advertising. And uh, so this also gave me the opportunity to, to spread the word, and, and very inexpensively, the book is a soft cover, 1995. It, it incorporates two of my books, both Triggers, uh, Psychological, Psychological Triggers, and Ad Secrets of the Written Word, and it expands uh, that into also uh, the Internet and, and how to profit from the Internet. Uh, it goes into billboards and catalogs, and it, it covers just about every aspect of copywriting. Well, you know, in your in your ebook triggers, and I assume anyone looking for that, just go online and do a search for Joseph uh, Sugarman, and you'll see, or and and just do your quote, your your uh, triggers and quote, and I'm sure you'll find that. But in in your ebook triggers, uh, you mentioned that uh, that a writer can learn to effectively control the minds of their prospects. Can touch on how you do that, real quickly. Well, the trigger, psychological triggers, basically there are ways that you could say things and phrase things that cause an action, that make a person want to buy from you. And uh, I, over the years, have developed 31 of them. I, in fact, in triggers, my original book, there was just 30, and then I, I've, I've added one since then, but 31 triggers that actually cause a person uh, to be more inclined to buy. So in some cases, it, it just makes a, a big difference. They, they just go ahead and buy. And, um, and it's those psychological triggers that are fascinating because they're, they're not very obvious. This is not something that anybody else has really covered. There, there have been a few people that cover the psychology of motivation or uh, influence, uh, but uh, they have maybe four or five of these triggers. I've listed 31. And I give a very good examples of how these psychological triggers would work in promoting or selling a particular product or concept or idea or service. Our special guest here on the advertising show, Joseph Sugarman, author of the Adweek Copywriting Handbook. As a matter of fact, Brad, he's been using some of those triggers throughout the interview for us, and I've already purchased three copies of the book. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I've got the blue blocker place on the line as well, so I'll be doing that. We've got uh, more with Joe and uh, a lot more to come here on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth being powered by Shipple.com. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. It's a great marketing website company, and Ed Shipple is a great guy. Check it out at Shipple.com. Back in just a minute. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Pee-wee Reese has a way with Dodger rookies or Sam Blood youngsters. Pee-wee, you do a lot of work with boys. Not work, Al. I like baseball and kids. I enjoy helping teenagers start right. Oh, that's around shaving. Good to have a room model, isn't it, Brad? Oh, the yeah. advertising show is Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and our very special guest out of Maui this weekend is Joseph Sugarman, author of the Adweek Copywriting Handbook. Joe, welcome back to the Ad Show. 
nice to be back. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about uh, Triggers and Joe's e-book, check that out on, online. Uh, you know, I wanted to go back to your current book, your copywriting handbook. Uh, in your book, you present a number of axioms that, uh, you know, first one in particular, I guess, that really jumped out at me was that the copywriting, uh, copywriting in general is pretty much a mental process. Explain what you mean by this, Joe. Well, uh, the greatest ads I've ever written were things that I thought about. I might have researched them and uh, thought about them. It's not a mechanical process of sitting before a computer and entering text. It's really thinking. It's really uh, a thought process. It's really uh, a discipline. Um, And it's uh, from that thought process, then then you sit down and you put uh, on paper what you're what, what you feel is, is are the important points of, of the copy that you're presenting. You know, that's. I wonder how many people actually uh, take the time to, to think that out. I think uh, maybe more should. Not interestingly, <laughs> yeah. Interestingly, you mentioned that if you have something to sell on TV or the internet, that you produce the print ad first. What's the strategy behind this idea, Joe? Well, I've always done this, and I know there are some other copywriters, too, who write for different media who do the same thing. And what what, what uh, writing it out into a full-page ad does for you is it forces, it kind of flushes out all of the, oh, big ideas, the key words, the, the technical features of what you're selling, if it is technical. It brings everything out, and then once you've created that print ad, then you could look at it and say, okay, and now I'm going into radio. What's important for radio? Or maybe I'm going to do something on TV, uh, so, and this, this would be a great uh, slogan. And what, print, what uh, putting in print first does for you is it really gives you a lot of ammunition that you could use in every other form of media. And I used to uh, do only print. In other words, I used to create print ads for mail order purposes and uh, uh, and then I, as I got into all these other mediums, such as catalog and TV, and all, I found that writing out a, a print ad was the best way to go. You know, it's interesting you say that uh, years ago, and I imagine it still happens today, when you're selling radio, people, a lot of radio salespeople look to the newspaper and, and get newspaper ads and then create a radio spot what they called a spec spot to, for that newspaper advertiser, and they were doing the same exact thing that you're describing there, Joe. You know, one of the other ideas in your book uh, that you mention is that your copy and the graphic elements of an ad should provide the ideal buying environment for your product or service. So I'm curious, what do you mean, or how would you describe an ideal buying environment? Well, it has to look, when you walk into a store, if you walked into a very exclusive store, what would be your impression? Well, you'd see very well decorated, very conservative maybe, uh, beautiful wall hangings. I mean, it would look really nice, and you'd feel like, well, I'm in this environment, and it's going to cost me a little bit more money because this is an upscale store. On the same token, if you walked into, let's say, a Walmart or uh, some uh, discount store, and uh, you, see, you see signs sale, and you see prices uh, slashed. It's a different environment, and you, you expect to pay less. And so, uh, the graphic elements, the copy, all the various, even the, I mean, the captions, everything in an ad creates a certain feel, a certain environment. Is either it's either going to be really first class, or it's going to be kind of sloppy and, and, and cheap. And, and by the way, both are good. Uh, one is designed to sell a product that's real inexpensive, and the other is designed to sell a very expensive product. 
You know, I know 10,000 car dealers that need to hear you say that, I think, <laughs> uh, Joe. Uh, what are some of the uh, most common mistakes that you see when it comes to copywriting? Are there a certain media that tend to make more errors and in, in just common mistakes when it comes to copywriting than other media? Or well, what's your thoughts on that? Well, Eric, I can answer that a couple different ways. Sure. Television is, is mass market, and you've got to keep your offer simple. You've got, you cannot complicate. The biggest mistake people make on television is they make their offer too complicated. You gotta make it simple. Here's the product, you buy it. And when people call in to buy it, and, uh, that's when you can offer other, uh, complicated things. But basically you want it really simple. Second big mistake that I find, and this is in particularly, uh, actually, uh, in particular is, is in print, and that is the, the fact that people have just write too many words. They, they just, you've got to edit and get down to the least number of words possible. And that's, that's, that's an art. That's a skill. You could uh, produce a, a, a real long ad, and that's, that's okay. But the, the key, in my uh, judgment, is to get those words down so that it's, it's short, it's sweet, it's simple, it gets across the point. I think those two things, too many words, and uh, making things too complicated, uh, I find those are the big mistakes copywriters make. Hmm. And that's true in all media, I suppose, right? I would think uh, it would be true. It's very true on TV, and it's mm-hmm. very true on uh, radio and, of course, billboards. Uh, less true in some of the other media, but uh, still very important. Yeah, and uh, what do we have, Ray? A couple minutes left in this segment? Uh, actually, less than a minute, Brad. Yeah, less than a minute. Then, uh, r- real quickly, uh, can, can, just, can you describe reading gravity for us, if you would, please, Joe? Yeah, right. Well, I state that everything in an ad is designed to get you to do one thing, and that's to read the first sentence. And that, that first sentence is so important, it's got to get you to read the second and the third and the fourth. And once you start reading, it's like a locomotive. You are then into that ad. You are then into that product or service that you're selling. And that's what I mean by reading gravity. In other words, it, 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 it forces you in, down into the copy so that you cannot stop until you're finished. And I would think that would hold true for radio, print, or any sure medium, would, yeah. wouldn't it? Uh, uh, correct, yes. All the, many of these axioms apply to every form of uh, advertising. Let's yeah. make it simple, right, folks? Joe Sugarman is our special guest out of Maui this weekend here on the Advertising Show. Joe is author of the Ad Week Copywriting Handbook. And uh, Joe is wearing his blue blockers as well today. Here he is, and he looks good. good. He does. With more of the Advertising Show in uh, just a minute. How can 18 different companies all sell the exact same thing known as water? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most thought-provoking, groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. Your job demands you not only have good ideas, but great ideas. And those great ideas have to start somewhere. And that somewhere is in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. How can you get someone's attention if you don't have $10 million in a celebrity endorsement? It starts here in Advertising Age, the leading source for marketing, advertising, media, and ideas. For almost 75 years, we've covered the most innovative and groundbreaking stories in the industry, giving you the competitive edge to be a leader. The next big idea demands out-of-the-box thinking. Start your search for greatness in the pages of Advertising Age and also online at adage.com. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. 
This is the Advertising Show. Once upon a time there was an engineer. Choo-choo Charlie was his name we hear. He had an engine and he sure had fun. He used good and plenty candy to make his train run. I can taste it now. After all these years, it's uh, Joseph Sugarman, our special guest uh, here on the Advertising Show out of Maui. Joe is author of the uh, the Adweek Copywriting uh, Handbook. And there's no secret uh, in the... The, the secrets of uh, copywriting, Joe. Uh, what happened with the secret word there? Well, uh, <laughs> secret's a pretty good word. <laughs> yeah, it's worked well for you. A lot of curiosity. Yes, yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, this book is great too. It's called the Adweek Copywriting Handbook. And Joe, welcome back to the Ad Show. Good, thank you. Nice to be yeah. back. Yeah, and if you, anyone's interested, just uh, I would assume Amazon.com would be a great place to go to purchase that book. And again, go search online Joseph uh, Sugarman, and you'll find lots to read about Joe and his companies. I want to go back real quickly because I'm so intrigued with the uh, the blue blocker idea. That was an idea that originated where you uh, uh, came up with the idea through understanding that NASA had this particular product, and then brought it into a consumer usage and, and launched from there. And I, I understand the uh, the product is still available today, uh, 2007, this many years later. Right. It's 21 years we've had that company. It all started from, actually, I was driving in a car in Los Angeles on, on, uh, 40, on the 405 freeway, and I was squinting because it was really bright. And a friend of mine who was driving, who was taking me to see a product at the time, I said, here, try on this pair of sunglasses. And that started it all. I put them on. I said, wow. I said, I'm not squinting. This is Things look so much clearer and sharper. And he says, ah, oh, you don't want to do this. This is from NASA. It's too expensive. And I, uh, I said, wait a second. I think this could be a great item, and the rest is history. Now, that's 21 years, and uh, today it's sold in Walgreens, all the Walgreens drugstores. It's sold on QVC. It's sold throughout the world. And um, it's still a, a very viable product, and we do a lot of advertising uh, for it, but not infomercials anymore. We're uh, primarily on radio. So what was considered uh, an expensive pair of sunglasses back in the 80s? Well, I think anything over uh, $40, $50 was uh, pretty expensive. Ours was $50. Uh, we sold our pairs, uh, pair of sunglasses for $50, and, and that was kind of on the high end. Uh, and then you had the drugstore brands, which were anywhere from you know, $14.95 up. Right. But the thing that I'm most proud of, actually, uh, is the fact that we established a brand. And I think that is probably one of the hardest things you can do, and establish a brand with a personality. And our products, uh, uh, from a, according to a lot of people, has, has a really good reputation and a good personality. Your, your direct mail catalog, JSNA, uh, any other products that we would know by name that are standouts like the Blue Blockers? Well, there was a product we had called the Bone Phone. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, Ray has one of those, but I don't think it's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> no. no, that was a that was a, like a scarf that wrapped around your neck, and it had speakers in it. Oh, and you I had remember a, that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, that we had, uh, and then uh, a pocket CB when we had the big CB boom. Remember sure. in the seventies? And uh, of course, that was a long time ago. But uh, back then, boy. Um, uh, we couldn't we couldn't ship enough of those because everybody had CBs in their car, but this was like a little walkie-talkie that you had the Channel 19 on. So you had the precursor to cell phones today, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. In fact, I was I was one of the early adapters. I had a cell phone when they were first testing them, <laughs> uh, 
Uh, in other words, it wasn't really officially available, and I, I was able to, to get a unit and be part of a test group. Oh, cool. So that was, a, that was a lot of fun. Wow. You know, if you would have been able to, you know, agree on some price for the rights of Convoy, you probably would have done better with that CB product. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I remember that song. Yeah, I, a little story about that I'll share later. So do you and the Popeil guy, the pocket fisherman guy, you ever hang out with them and yeah. have a beer, talk I, about I the know old Ron, days? I know Ron Popeil well, and as a matter of fact, when I was in infomercials, he approached me and asked me if I would do one of his products. And I said, Ron, you've got more knowledge than most people. You should do it yourself. And he did, and he became quite successful. And I'm sure it's not because I told him to do that. But the fact that he was very, he is very talented and, and quite a nice guy, by the way. Yeah, right. And I've see, I still see him on today from time to time selling gadgets and so forth. And, you know, you and he are both, uh, uh, I think, considered some of the, the, the best of the best when it comes to infomercials. Few, uh, a few quick questions back to your book. You, you've been quoted as saying each time you are honest and conduct yourself with honesty a successful force will drive you to towards greater success and each time that you lie even with a little white lie there are strong forces pushing you to failure i mean what that's great words how did you come up with that joe well you know it's it's uh, from experience there were times when i kind of fudged a little bit on an ad and and, and boy i just i paid for it and uh, there was i also wrote a book in 1980 uh, called success forces and Basically, it was a book, uh, Karma for Businessmen, is really what it could be, what it could have been called. And I just found that honesty is by far the best policy, and uh, it's probably one of the, it's, it's not only a, a strong success force, I also uh, consider it a, a very good gimmick. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a great, great uh, 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 concept in terms of of uh, being successful and, and having a successful promotion, and that is to be very honest in your copy. And we were so honest that people actually uh, were disarmed by uh, by our honesty. I, I would point out all the flaws in my products and, <laughs> and uh, everything. So, yeah, honesty, that's it's always been, my, my whole life has been uh, devoted to uh, uh, maintaining that. And, and, the, and like I said in the beginning, I, I, I tested the, uh, dishonesty and it just didn't work backfired that's a good note to end on joe here joe sugarman author of the adweek copywriting handbook joe we invite uh we invite uh, people to go to the uh, to the site and google your name joseph sugarman and uh, find out more about the book and go get it and buy a pair of blue blockers do it at the same time it's been a pleasure having you here well thank you ray thank you brad our pleasure we have uh, more on the advertising show it's coming your way uh, next stay with us You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I'm Ewell Gibbons. Many consider me an expert on natural foods like cattails. Yes, they're edible. I look for natural ingredients in my food. That's why grape nuts is part of my breakfast. Well, look at that, Brad. Ewell is wearing blue blockers while he's eating (laughs) his cattails. And he's standing next to Orville Redenbacher. Redenbacher. Did you say that? Redenbacher, yes. They brought back a new Redenbacher. It's like the man's dead. A new old one or an old a new, new old one? Yeah, they got a guy that's dressed up and looks like Orville Redenbach. Oh, you're kidding! No, it's really weird. Uh, it wow, looks like that's the guy not that right. Six Flags used for their campaign. Uh, <laughs> oh, really? Serious. It's very strange, and it's like, My what, what, who's coming back next? Uh, they already brought uh, what's his name back from Wendy's, Dave. Dave. That yeah. didn't work. Although I wish I wish they could bring him back. He's such a great guy. He was a nice guy. But uh, anyway, thanks to uh, to Joe Sugarman. Um, 
Next week, by the way, Mike DeFranza. Mike DeFranza. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike is, uh, should own a pizza place or something, right? But he's chairman mm-hmm. and acting president of the Out of Home Video Advertising Bureau, which means you would have to have an out of home video player to listen to his stuff, I guess, or something like that. No, but we'll talk with uh, with Mike next week on the other. Well, and just as an aside, he's also the uh, CEO of Captivate Network, if you're familiar with that. Okay. If you've ever been in a, uh, I'm going from ad lib on this, but if you've ever been in a uh, an elevator, yes. and if you've seen those little units up there that have the different news items and so forth, an occasional ad, that would be an example of one of the Captivate Network's products. There you go. So yeah. we've got uh, Mike on the show next week. Right now we've got uh, Jeffrey Gittimer here, a regular feature of the advertising show. The best way to get a sale or to get to where you want to go is to eliminate the objection. Everybody has an objection? Well, Jeff has an answer here. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. You ever hear the prospect tell you, uh, we're satisfied with our present supplier. Sure you have. How many times have you heard it? Doesn't it piss you off? Well, why are you still listening to it? You know, with a little creativity, you can eliminate it forever. Here's how. When you engage the prospect, you say, you know, Mr. Jones, I make a lot of sales calls to prospective new customers, and most of them tell me I'm satisfied with who we've got. You know, our customers are ecstatic. They're getting incredible value, and not only are they more productive, they're reaping the profits of doing business with us. So let me ask you a question. Would you rather be ecstatic and more profitable or satisfied? The customer is going to say, well, ecstatic and more profitable. You say, great, because I came here today hoping that you were satisfied with who you've got. Here's the clue. You take the objection away before they have a chance to voice it. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Thanks again to Joseph Sugarman, uh, author of the uh, the Ad Week Copywriting Handbook, and hope you can be with us next week for uh, uh, Mike DeFranza, Chairman and Acting President of OVAB, 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 <laughs> which is also called the Out of Home Video Advertising Bureau and the Funny Little Screens in Elevators. We had the marketing <laughs> director from Bank of America on the show a while back. Yeah. I don't, do you remember his name? Uh, I it was a she, actually, but no. Uh, are you sure? Okay. Well, whatever you say. Uh, yeah. Bank of America backing away from its uh, long-running uh, slogan in the national, new national campaign. Higher I take standards, that back. You were right. It was a man. My apologies. Well, that's okay. But what yeah. they're saying is, while the phrase will not, uh, the phrase will not Im- completely disappear from the bank's marketing efforts, the company will introduce a new branding effort tagline during the Academy Awards. Uh, part of the DNA, part of a great uh, foundation as well. So, the Higher Standards campaign four years ago. Uh, hmm. uh, let's see. 
She well, you know what? It's Catherine Bassant, but we did not have Catherine on the on the. Uh, uh, no, and I'll tell you what happened is for a while there, every uh, marketing director that we had on would leave or get fired, and he was one that left the company. Same thing happened with a guy at oh, Chrysler right. Jeep. He that's went right. to uh, Microsoft, and just after a while, we couldn't get anybody to come on our show that was a <laughs> marketing director because they thought they'd get fired or or something would happen. And that could be a problem. Yeah. yeah. So no longer higher standards, or at least a a watered-down version of higher standards uh, to look forward to here with the new Bank of America campaign. They wow. do a great job with advertising anyway. Windows yeah. campaign, the uh, the new uh, Vista thing is an incredible campaign as well. Wow, I love it. It's good. Haven't whoever, seen it. Whoever did that is uh, doing a good thing. Uh, and we invite you to uh, join us next week. Mike DeFranza, Chairman, Acting President, OBAB, and uh, lots more to come to here at the Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. You can visit them online at age.com and by Walter Carl Interactive at waltercarl.com. The Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production.